It is now my honour to introduce our opening speaker by video conference from New York, Ms. Helen Clark, the Administrator of the United Nations Development Programme. Good morning, everybody, and I too would like to pay my respects to the traditional people of the land who have just uh, welcomed us all to the conference so uh, eloquently. I am speaking from New York and want to begin by saying to the Lowy Institute, holding this conference on the MDGs is very, very timely because, as was said in the introductory comments, it is now 10 years since most of the world's heads of state and government, including me at the time, travelled to New York for the Millennium Summit and for the launching of the Millennium Declaration, which contained within it the Millennium Development Goals. Uh, we're now at the 10-year mark, a very important review time uh, for the goals, and a lot of energy and effort is going into assessing the progress to date and looking at how we can speed it up. The Millennium Development Goals have been named uh, by the UN Intellectual History Project as one of the great ideas which has emanated from the United Nations system and those close to it. And that is because these goals are quite simply the most broadly supported, comprehensive and specific poverty reduction targets that the world has ever come together to agree on. For the estimated 900 million people living in extreme poverty in the Asia-Pacific region, the MDGs do offer a pathway to a better life, uh, a life where there is access to enough food and enough income, to basic education and health services, to clean water and sanitation, and for women, the all-important empowerment. We see so many success stories around the world on achieving the MDGs that at UNDP we know that achievement is possible. We see extreme poverty in East Asia and the Pacific, which was the world's poorest region in 1981, falling from nearly 80% of the population surviving on under $1.25 a day in 1981 to 17% by 2005. We've seen many countries making great progress in reducing gender disparities in education, containing the spread of HIV-AIDS and expanding access to safe drinking water. However, the story of the MDGs is also one of uneven progress towards the targets within regions and within countries. Across all of Asia, Central, South and East, and the Pacific taken together, We've seen while many have prospered and gone ahead, still more than one in four people remain in extreme poverty. And we feel a mission to speed up MDG achievement so it can also reach those countries, those communities, those marginalised groups of people who have been overlooked, bypassed and unable to benefit from the progress they see around them. We think it's now critical to be putting a sense of momentum and energy, new enthusiasm, urgency into achieving the MDGs by the target date of 2015. And so the Special Review Summit, which will be held here at the UN in September at head of government level, is extremely important. And to make that summit really action-oriented, we do need the voices, the advocacy of civil society, uh, much of which is represented in the room today, 
to be heard in support of a successful summit outcome. To contribute to the preparation of the summit, UNDP has been working on gathering the strongest possible evidence base that we can on what has worked in achieving the MDGs, and then to advocate for those approaches to be used more widely. We've been drawing on the evidence gathered in particular from 30 in-depth, specially commissioned MDG progress reports uh, prepared with host governments in developing countries. And from those reports and other up-to-date MDG reports, we've been extracting the lessons of what has worked. Tomorrow at the UN's noon press briefing across the road from UNDP, I will be releasing our international assessment of what we believe it will take to achieve the goals by 2015. And we've set out to identify common and underlying success factors and to highlight where the recurring constraints are on progress. And then we're making recommendations about a number of the areas which really need to be focused on. This international assessment comes in time to inform the G8 uh, Leaders uh, Summit uh, to complement the Secretary-General's MDG progress report also, which offers a target-by-target -target account of global progress uh, to date. Meanwhile, out on the ground, the UN country teams of agencies are working on how to help partners speed up their MDG progress. And we're currently piloting a diagnostic tool, which we call an acceleration framework, which will help governments and development partners identify what interventions have the most impact and are most likely to sustain hard-won development gains. We aim, of course, to see the best use made of the scarce dollars for development and bring development partners together around specific actions which will speed up progress. Now, while any action agenda obviously has to be adapted to national contexts and circumstances, the work we've done on gathering the evidence does highlight eight areas for priority attention. And I want to just run briefly through those at a headline level now. First, it is imperative for all of us to be supporting country-led development. If we're really going to get and sustain progress, development strategies do need to be locally owned and based on a broad national consensus within a country. It does help a great deal where countries' institutions are responsive and accountable and have the capacity to implement MDG policies and programs. The development partners can help by supporting inclusive development planning, which takes into account the perspectives of the poor and marginalised in a society, and also development partners can support the strengthening of the all-important capacities in country which are needed to mobilise resources, deliver services, and make evidence-based policy decisions. The second point we're emphasising is the need to foster much more inclusive and balanced models of economic growth. The evidence suggests that rapid reductions in poverty and hunger come from growth which is job-rich and which has a specific focus on agriculture in those countries where most people are still making their living from the land. Of course, a fair distribution of income, assets and opportunities also helps. We see 2.5 billion people 
in the developing world depending on agriculture for their livelihoods. If we can boost agricultural production, we can simultaneously reduce poverty and improve food security. But that's going to mean farmers getting access to better fertilizers, to better seeds, to extension services, and they need secure land rights. But we also need to see improvements in rural infrastructure. And a global trade deal which works for poor people in poor countries is also part of the bigger picture. Third area, and perhaps in many ways it's the most important, is to be consciously setting out to improve opportunities for women and girls. That is such a powerful driver of MDG progress across all the goals. The number of women who are dying in childbirth remains high across the Asia-Pacific, and progress on reducing the numbers has been slow. The region is at serious risk of not meeting MDG 5 on maternal health. We need concerted action in South Asia and the Pacific in particular to advance gender equality as too many women still lack opportunities to access quality health care, education and decent work. So often we see customary law, traditional practice and constitutional provisions relegating women to subordinate status. Addressing gender equality and women's empowerment on a broad front is necessary to get good results for women across the MDGs, including in maternal health. We see investment in women and girls as not only the right thing to do, but also having such obvious intergenerational benefits. As children, for example, born to women with some formal education, are more likely to survive to their fifth birthday, receive adequate nutrition, be immunized and enrolled in school. Uh, figures out of Vietnam suggest that the children of mothers with primary education have a mortality rate of 27 deaths to each 1,000 births, while for those whose mothers had no education, the rate was 66 per 1,000 births. Fourth area, obviously there's a need to target investments around health and education, clean water and sanitation, and in the professionals who run the services. That not only saves lives, but it lays the foundations for sustained human development and growth, as healthy and educated people are much more able to improve their own lives. We've seen rapid improvements in education and health care occur where adequate public investment goes alongside the dropping of user fees. Sustaining those improvements, though, including in quality, requires long-term commitments to developing effective systems, institutions, and skilled people. Fifth point, we do need to see social protection and employment programs scaled up. We have seen social protection and cash transfer programs grow access to nutritional supplements, increase the frequency of health checkups, and keep children in school. So rather than being seen as a drain on a country's budget, social protection needs to be seen as a critical investment in building the resilience of societies to cope with present and future shocks. We've seen homegrown social protection schemes like India's National Employment Guarantee Scheme, Thailand's health insurance scheme, China's rural pension plans, cash for work programs in Tonga and Samoa and Mongolia uh, help build domestic demand and spur human development.
The sixth critical point, we need to see more access to energy and to be promoting low carbon development. If we can expand energy access, the multiplier effect across the MDGs is obvious. Increasing productivity, reducing smoke-related deaths, bringing lighting to homes, to schools, to health clinics, and freeing women and girls from those time-consuming domestic chores. In a carbon-constrained age, growth based on reduced carbon footprints is also vital for all countries. And to achieve that, a climate deal which generates significant funding for low-carbon energy and development solutions is essential and cannot be allowed to fall off the international list of priorities. Our seventh point, countries need to be able to mobilise domestic resources for the MDGs. As most of the resources for development actually are raised from within a country itself, and they need to be effectively allocated. So that means improving tax collection systems, broadening tax bases, it means looking at a range of ways of raising revenue and, of course, having in place the measures which ensure that the right priorities are set and the money is well spent. There's also the issue of expanding the reach and the range of financial services to capture the domestic savings, which can spur private sector development from the micro level up. UNDP's been working with partners in a number of Pacific countries to enable people to use their mobile phones to connect them to the formal financial sector. We see that remittance transfers via mobile phone can greatly reduce transaction costs, enabling more money to actually get to the folks back home. Our last point, yes, the international community does need to deliver on the commitments it's made around official development assistance. Well-targeted and predictable ODA is critical as a catalyst for meeting the MDGs and helping countries to build the capacities and programs they need for development. There is a shortfall between the ODA, which was projected for 2010, and what was promised by the G8 at Glen Eagles in 2005. It amounts to about half of 1% of the OECD DAC members combined gross national income this year. That surely is a gap which can be filled. Some countries are living up to the commitments they've made on ODA, others are not. And it should certainly be noted here that Australia has been growing its aid budget steadily and is making a very big contribution to development in the Asia Pacific and well beyond. So we are offering uh, this international assessment across the eight factors of what it will take to reach the MDGs and to help build agreement on an action agenda from now through to 2015. We do so because we believe that achieving those goals is the route to a better life for billions of people. And to make good on that promise of the MDGs, we should not now narrow our ambition throw up our hands in despair at all the challenges, or minimise the extent of the obstacles which exist to development. We do believe with targeted action, strong partnerships and committed leadership, the world can certainly achieve the MDGs. And the enthusiasm and support of everyone at this Lowy Institute conference is critical for that. 
I should just say in my final moment uh, that with you today you have uh, an Australian and head of UNDP's Human Development Report Office, uh, Jenny Klugman, who's been responsible for the preparation of the 20th anniversary Human Development Report produced here at UNDP. And I'm really grateful that Jenny has been able to come in person uh, to the conference and I know she'll be able to uh, brief you about the work she's been doing, which is so relevant to MDG achievement as well. I wish you all a, a really productive uh, conference, and thank you for making this uh, one of the many events which is getting people thinking about the MDGs and achievement through to the September summit and beyond. Thank you very much. Well, thank you very much, Helen Clark, for an encouraging and indeed inspiring opening address.